What's going on guys? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I'm your humble, humble correspondent Michael Tam. Joined for our week look back, po- look back podcast. Episode number 30. We are 30 years old. Holy smokes. We feel so old. And if you are listening to us today, it is Friday, July 3rd. So we hope you aren't working and we really appreciate you guys listening to us. As always, I am joined by the executive producer of the show, the director and publisher of Oil and Gas 360.com, which is quite possibly the world's greatest website. Stuart Turley, Stu, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic from a uh, undisclosed location in Dallas. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It really, really is a beautiful day. And, and, and like I mentioned, this is uh, Friday, July 3rd. If you're listening to this, we'll drop this, you know, before the market opens, even though it's actually closed. So you guys are the true fans here. I don't know if you guys are listening on, on Friday, July 3rd. I applaud you guys. We're, we're going to give you if we're going to give you the golf claps, too. We'll give them. I don't know if you guys can hear this. I'll try to clap loud enough. But the golf clap is soft, so you shouldn't That's be right. able to hear it. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We have a great show for you lined up. We're going to quickly um, get you in and out of here covering all the top stories that we ran on the closing bell this week we're also going to check in with the levels and check in with a crazy crazy eia um draw which nobody was really expecting but first guys this show is brought to us by adamantine energy we love them they are so awesome we love tisha shula she's the former ceo of the colorado oil and gas association what adamantine energy is doing is they're guiding companies like yours if you're an executive to help explore your exposure to social risk your options and response to all of this esg stuff that's going on and how your peer companies are responding and the opportunities that social risk can actually create for your business and you might be asking what is social risk well it's not just community opposition to development projects because that's what everybody thinks it's everything from the success of the divest for fossil fuels movement to the investor engagement in ESG programs to the individual states setting these just crazy ambitious climate and decarbonization social risk seems like it's everywhere now moving fast and multiplying like zombies I mean literally they have this in their read right here multiplying like zombies guys so I mean this is you, you know these guys take the best approach and this is why your company needs a strategic partner to help you assess and prepare share for all the shareholder institutional pressure that's on you and your peer companies please guys reach out adamantine energy www.energythinks.com sign up for their weekly newsletter her your competitors are reading tisha's newsletter so i'd highly recommend you hopping on much like i'd highly recommend you guys subscribing to the oil and gas 360 closing bell which is the best way for all of your energy market news guys please follow that you can also subscribe to this show, iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. I ran this on the closing bell today, but but if I was a 16-year-old YouTuber making millions, I would tell you to smash that like button and leave us a review. We really appreciate you guys reaching out. Guys, follow us on all the social medias, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. We post all the time. We've got RSS. We've got this nifty little program that just literally just auto-tweets things and auto-sends things. It's absolutely incredible, um, and we've seen some great growth. Connect with me and Stuart on LinkedIn, Michael Tan or Stuart Turley. You can check out the Energy 360 Network by Intercom, which is on the Oil and Gas 360 website. The best place for energy thought leadership. Stu, what's next week look like? We have a great, coming off a holiday, coming off a three-day weekend, we have a boom, boom, one-two punch. We got a three. Uh, We got uh, Falk Jones coming out. Gareth Falk Jones, he's a uh, uh, renewables... um, I wouldn't say advocate, but I would say a renewable scientist who he actually, I mean, he's, 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 he's not a, he, I don't like to use the word whack job, but he, he understands the limitations of renewables in their current phase. And he's a world, world kind of guy. Oh yeah, he's all, yeah, yeah. And on Tuesday we have Alan Gilmer with, uh, he's the founder of uh, uh, Enverus and Drilling Info 
wonderful interview. I mean, he is a neat, neat guy. I have started cutting this up, and I've seen the first maybe 15 minutes, and it is, woohoo, it's good. He's on fire. He's a great Twitter follow, at The Crude Awakening. I hope you, did you talk, I hope you didn't talk, I should have mentioned something about his Twitter account to you, because I, I didn't happen to be on that interview. I, I, he has a great Twitter, it's at Crude Awakening. We'll have to, we'll give oh. him a little shout out for his Twitter account. So everyone, go give him a follow. Fantastic. And then on uh, Wednesday, uh, we have, we just finished this one, Dr. George Friedman, uh, the call before the uh, storm before the calm. That was a wonderful interview. I had so much fun talking to him. He is uh, founded the Stafford uh, um, News thing, and then he's got one that's now the geopolitical um and they really do a great job predicting worldwide i use them as a really good source so well you this is the first interview you did where you were nervous you were nervous you were this is i've been nervous for my fair share of interviews and you've been calm cool and collected through all of them but this one you you got up and then that was good because it was a good interview lots of i mean he's he's brilliant he's articulate He's he's a professional. I mean, you teed him up and he went. I mean, he talked for ninety five percent of the time, which is how an interview should go. Oh, and I absolutely loved loved his wife taking care of him, and uh, his whole organization is really about good, solid intel. Uh, go out to geopoliticalinformation.com. Um, uh, I believe I'll get that for you here in the show notes. But beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's that's really great to see. Um, and then um, Wednesday we and that's it. Yes, that's it for the next week. But we are recording some big ones next week. Do I can we, can we announce them? Yeah, I don't even know who we're recording. Mm-hmm. We're gonna tell me off air. Ooh, we're gonna have to tease the audience. I don't even know. It'll be very interesting. So, uh, guys, I think that's enough for clerical work. Um, we want to get you out of here quickly, but I think it's important to cover some of the top stories that were ran on the closing bell this week. I, you know, two weeks ago, I told you to watch out for bankruptcies, and I was sort of half right. Um, there was a couple bankruptcies, but nothing like we saw this week. Um, and especially as sort of the biggest story that happened was was Chesapeake's filing. But if you to kind of give you an idea for the week, Chesapeake files Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Lilith Energy files Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Rose Hill files Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Covina files Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Denbury Resources skips an import payment, draws completely draws down their credit facility. Abrax Energy has their borrowing base cut by thirty percent. So it was a brutal day for uh, a week for equity companies, even though they stayed flat pretty much in terms of their XOP index. So um, just some wild stuff, specifically with Chesapeake, because obviously that is sort of the giant tree that as we said if if, if, if you haven't watched this i'd recommend going and watch the the tuesday closing but we brought on dan genevieve the director of consulting intercom and he is a former chesapeake employee and we sort of were chatting about you know they were kind of a dead man walking for a couple years and you know one of the the, the hindsight 2020 was you know when david lawler you know that this is something that dan brought up that when david lawler and his uh staff sort of took over maybe that was the time to do a restructuring bankruptcy. Maybe it wasn't, you know, I mean, it really doubled down over that pat, you know, over that, you know, really from Aaron Lawler or Aaron, you know, from, uh, excuse me, David Lawler through, you know, so, but 
they, they did end up declaring bankruptcy. Bankruptcy court approved $925 million in dip financing, which is what's known as debtor in possession financing, which is basically basically when it's a special loan that's used in bankruptcy proceedings that, that companies use that they use from secure lenders in order to basically keep their operating through bankruptcy. And it's what's called a revolving credit facility. They also... This is here's the also here's the other thing that they discovered. Um, it was they have two million. Oh, I don't see it right here. This two million, oh, yeah, two million in or two billion in new or in new uh, debt financing that they have emerging on bankruptcy and six hundred million in new equity. So they're gonna reemerge with a decent amount. But but to kind of give you an idea, I saw in their bankruptcy filings. I read this somewhere. I, I read this well. I saw a link to somebody who said you should check out what they're paying a month. So I scrolled through their bankruptcy in. Working interest and non-operating interest, Stu, $200 million a month. <gasps> Talk about a check that just gets whoo, sent out every single month. So, I mean, yeah, they got $925 million in debtor and possession financing. That's like three months worth of, that's like two months worth of cash for these guys. My goodness. My visa wouldn't cover that. You don't have to, you don't have a black card? Oh, oh well, yeah, I do, but Oh hoo, Stu, big spender over there. But yeah, no, that no Amex card is covering that. Like I don't you know, you know the, No, they they still would call me up and go, What the hey are you doing? No kidding. So um, you know, they, they, they petitioned to uh basically wipe out seven billion in debt. So I mean, not much to say, like, like, you know, dead man walking. I mean, it was very easy, um, I think, decision. I think this might have been overdone. And, uh, you know, who knows if this management team moves forward? Probably not. I mean, how, how can you? Um, is, you know, I, I think Dan was a little conservative on the closing bell. He was, ah, well, you never know. You don't really know. No, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you, you can't move forward, especially when you, when, I mean, you double down. I mean, they didn't double down. They didn't even triple down. They didn't even quadruple down. They this is the fifth time they doubled down. They fifth downed this to this point. So I don't even know if you you know if you had just double downed and lost. Okay, I get it. You know, sometimes doubling down it, but like you, they didn't. So if this management team comes on through and and we ran the story two months or about a month ago, but they had you know top twenty one executives paid themselves twenty one twenty five million in spot bonuses. If if that wasn't an exit, if that wasn't a little like kiss on the the cheek goodbye for an ex for a little you know bump before they get I don't know what that was so you know it was it was but uh, that's all that we said be interesting who knows if they'll even be named Chesapeake probably um, and that kind of leads us into the other story Sanchez Energy who has declared bankruptcy like three times over like 18 months it's unbelievable the rollover that this company has they've reemerged with a new name this time so things will be completely different called mesquite energy and their former cfo is now the new ceo i I saw a meme on twitter that said sanchez becoming mesquite makes sense because now they're just gonna burn everything down um so uh you know it'll only i you know i you didn't hear it from me. That's that's what you get. That that's what you're missing if you're not on EFT Twitter. You're missing memes like that. So I, that I be- not much to say about that. Um, the you know, and to their new board of directors are heavily you know, and this is the other thing that gets me. This is this is the other thing right here. Their interim CF their interim CEO is now the CFO of Mesquite, who was a founding member of the team at Lynn Energy. And if you remember Lynn Energy 
was a M&A disaster gone wrong. Chapter 11. Boo! Might want to take that off. We should flag that for Mesquite's new IR guy. That is probably not something you want on the homepage of your website. So if you're listening, Mesquite Energy. Seriously, calls up Intercom does that. We can manage. We can get that off your website. Get you a consistent brand to move forward. And you don't have to worry about all this. So slight sales pitch, but but I'm dying here. They're, they're making it too easy for us. To, they're making it too easy for us. But um, that I think you know that sort of. That's really, you know, kind of the bankruptcy section. I mean, we want to talk about things revolved with the M&A, you know, not M&A markets, but really the capital markets really led the... Uh, there are more coming, is, though. There, there are. are more coming, but this week, you know, if this if this didn't kick us off, um, who I don't know what happened. Um, when we look at... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stu. Yeah, who would have ever thought we'd have earnings season and then bankruptcy season? Go figure. And it just, it keeps us busy in between bankruptcy because we ran on the closing by the day. Exxon's about to write off like two bills here come July 31st. So Shell did the same thing. Uh, ConocoPhillips has done the same thing. All majors writing down billions of dollars. So, you know, that was kind of the other story we saw. Oil, I mean, pretty bullish on the week. We're closing out at about 40 bucks, which would be very interesting to be currently trading 40.29. Um, very little volatility. Markets closed, you know, as you're listening to this. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Um, but, you know, pretty bullish on oil. Really often inventory surprise. We'll get into it, but really good inventory numbers. Drilling rigs as we ran on the closing belt today. Dropped only two rigs. Canada, though, gained five. It's like 260. I don't have the numbers up in front of me. It was like 263 rigs for the U.S., and it was uh, uh, only a two decrease, so, I, you know, flattening of the curve a little bit there. Um, haha, coronavirus joke. Am I allowed to we allowed to make that joke? Is that – I don't – I hope so because it. I, I, I mean it um, with all due respect. Stu, what do we got on the international news desk? What happened this week? Hey, I got a couple stories I want to go over. And uh, the first one, uh, Saudi Aramco CEO says the worst is behind us. Um, that's a pretty cool thing to hear. Um, but they're still not have the production commitment that we need for uh, worldwide um, uh, pricing and, and everything else. His quote is, We've seen a lot of plants and factories and suppliers that support Saudi Aramco from Europe, including China and other places. They had to shut down because of the lockdown. Yeah. This is their saying is they can't get parts. Yeah. So when you have rigs, you have mechanical, you have all this stuff, mm -hmm. you got to get parts. Well, everything is shut down. So uh, anyway, the second story that I found really interesting was in the uh, Russian nuclear power station. It is a BN 600, um, and they are approving to extend it to the mm. 2040. Uh, at that time, it will be 15 years past its due, okay. but uh, due to uh, be uh, shut down. But that'll put it at a 60-year reactor. Now, that's also going to save 33 million tons of fossil fuel coal. So if you're green and you're trying to say, let's get away from fossil fuels, you and I have talked about nuclear being a very good alternative. Well, and who, like who did we talk with nuclear about? Alex Epstein. Probably one of our best interviews. He, big proponent of nuclear. I love, I mean, you know, 
I love I, not that I love nuclear. I don't know much about it, but the, the more I learn about nuclear and from from all these experts, Alex Epstein, for the stuff Stu that you tell me, I become convinced that there's there's something we're miss not something we're missing with it. There's we're missing implementing a solution that is very very clean, abundant, yep. and renewable. Well, and you sit back and take a look. Uh, hydrogen's coming around the corner. But uh, fission and fusion have always been at a battle over the years, and we are within 10 to 15 years of having actual uh, fusion reactors. I believe it may even come before that. We finally have that. At that point, I see we're going fusion here. Yeah, all bets are off, man. It's going to be cool. So uh, that I wanted to give a shout out because we're going to watch it. Because if the Russians can extend out something uh, 15 years or 60 years, we can't even do that in New York where they cut them off early. Uh, The Indian uh, power plant number three, they've killed, but yet they would have saved uh, several million pounds of CO2 and they still cut it out. You know, maybe we can learn from the Russians on this one. Yeah. That's, if I would have told you, I don't think I would have ever expected that to come out of your mouth. But yeah, we might be able to learn something with the Russians. I tell that to you didn't tell that to George Freeman. He would have loved that. Oh, he he would have loved it. But we had a great talk with George. Good, and and, and the international news desk is, I it's, I've I've been I've been awesome because I I knew very little before we started this podcast, Stu. I I knew very little about international oil stuff. I was very much a hardcore trader, and that doesn't really involve. Oh, this global politics stuff. So it's been fascinating, fascinating to know. Um, any other stories that we need to cover? Can we miss anything? Right now, but uh, just to keep it short, we are now 65% U.S. and 35% world. So that's there we our go. Internet, and that's all because of you, Stu. So we'll give you the golf clap as well. I think it's time just to go ahead and dive into the levels and the EIA um, levels for oil. As always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research to provide all the levels from their Energy Glimpse solution. Guys, just check them out, www.sandstonecg.com. Call 949-561-1818 to learn more. I mean, really, when we look for levels of the week, as I mentioned, price action was very good, very, very, very bullish. Um, Big level on the downside, 3781, sort of for the floor for the week now next volume chunk up 38.18 next price action big swing up to a dollar 39 39.48 is a good one point of control for the week 39.70 and this week closing out 40.29 so i mean really if, if you're just looking you know tomcat would love the structure of of what oil looks like now appreciate i I'd recommend go looking at a range chart version gives you a much much better clean view um of what the price action looks like really easy to kind of point out the levels I I think 40 is the top, so I think as we move into next week, I'm probably going to be short a little bit, but price action for this week, you made some money if you were long, and it'll be interesting to see what the commitment of traders drops, and we'll check that out on Sunday if you check out our Monday morning podcast. Uh, when we look at the EIA, as, as I mentioned, that was a huge surprise. DOE drew 7 million barrels off top line for oil inventories after an expected 500-barrel 
gain. So it's an unbelievable utilization up one full percent or a half a percentage point, which is good to see. Distillate demand dropped a little bit, but gasoline demand was up. Key Christian crude stocks dropped 300,000 barrels, 45.6 million barrels, and domestic production stayed flat at 11 million barrels, which is really, really good to see. Um, because I would have expected domestic production to continue to increase. So, you know, the fact that we saw it there. I was caught off surprised by the DOE numbers, too. I, I wasn't necessarily trading this DOE. I've been I've been pretty busy the past two weeks. I've been lazy and haven't traded the EIA inventories. Because uh, that's one of my favorite. Just It's honestly the only time I sit down to trade is DOE inventories. Because you just catch the curve. Boom. Maybe a couple hundred bucks. Get out. Pays for a couple Pays for a couple cheeseburgers at night when I'm bored and don't want to make food. I can go to the local Popeyes and get me a chicken sandwich. So Popeyes, if you're listening, feel free to sponsor us and just start. We don't, you don't need to pay us. Just rain us in with chicken sandwiches. Just make chicken rain up in my house because I'm only like a block down from you guys over here in an undisclosed location in Denver, Colorado. Um, I mean, oil is pretty quiet this week, to be honest with you. Um, it was really bankruptcies in the energy equities markets that made a lot of the noise. Do we missing anything, um, you know, for oil this week? I don't think so. We've got some stuff coming around the corner next week, though. No, oh, we do. Dashboards. I know what you're referencing. They're about done. I'm working on the back end as we speak. It looks really good. So by next Wednesday, not that you'll be able to trade the EIA DOE crude inventories off the dashboards, it's going to be, I mean, we're going to be talking, you know, 35, 45 second delay. So, I mean, it's going to be quick. These dashboards are going to be uploaded. I am excited to get them going. But I think it's time we get into the bloodbath, which is the 360 fund. But first, the lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. Remember, if you do follow our investment advice, you take a vow of poverty. And this segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everybody on this show, i.e. me, Michael Tanner, Stu Suter, invest for our own account. We do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We do not offer any securities or any involvement in the regular side of the industry. Investing is risky and you can and will lose your entire principal. Boom! We're holding a little funeral. Duh! Stu, how bad was it this week for you? Um, look at the time. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, uh, to give you a, a thing, uh, Tomcat's playing with the SBX over the weekend, and he's, he's out. playing with he's, he's, he's playing some futures. I like it. See, and, now, now we're talking here. Now we're talking the leverage game. Yeah, he's uh, he's out of though all of his other bottom feeding and everything else. He's uh, waiting to see what happens on Monday and Tuesday. Oh, well, that will be. No, I bet you the futures market will be. Markets always go a little crazy after three-day week. People are wound up, bro. You, 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 Robinhood traders can't trade tomorrow. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Wake up at noon and change the volatility. They, they can't trade tomorrow. No. Um, so things are shut down. Investments are trading. So it's people are going to be wound up. Monday could be could be a crazy day. Uh, I asked Tomcat about his little ferry there, and uh, he had some made sense behind it. So let's see what he does. Yeah, no kidding. We're going to need access to some of that research. My side of the portfolio, I mean, really, Bonanza Creek was the staple, but it, it, it got hammered this week. It's down to 1581. I mean, still making money off it, but, but I mean, we're, we're, eating, we're eating rice and beans if, if, if that's the only portfolio, side of the portfolio that's feeding us. Um, probably going to be short CL as we move into the week. I was bullish on crude oil last week, so I made a, we made a little bit of cash um, on crude oil moving. Um, I set a long position there. Probably going to be short next week, but I will set a position as you hear on Monday. Natural gas, I mean, we're getting hammered on that position right now. It's, you know, natural gas trading $1.72. We're $1.79. That thing was as low as $1.48. I mean, we, we were taking losses and cutting 
cutting into our margin, but we, we survived off the brink of death and, and we're back slightly breathing. Hopefully we can get natural gas above a buck eighty and start seeing some returns on that. I mean I the the experts keep telling me, Stu, three, three fifty, four dollars, four fifty. I'm just I got my watch here. I'm just waiting. I'm just tapping. I'm just waiting. When's this gonna pop for me? I'm doing the same thing when people should be like in jail and prosecuted. I'm sitting here doing the same thing, you know. But I, I on my LNG, uh, forty-eight dollars. Uh, it's up one point five too. So even though LNG's still hanging tough, I'm still in the LNG camp. Yeah. Well. We'll see. We need to. We keep saying this, but I need to do a rebrand of this portfolio, and it'll happen very soon. A rebrand, much like Mesquite Energy. We need to just do a good rebrand. Maybe we'll call up that IR guy, see if they can help us out. I'm not gonna call it uh, Mesquite because we don't want to burn down our. Fund. No, we do not want to. <laughs> That's exactly. We do not want to burn down the podcast. That is. That's too good. I think that's the best spot to end it because we're about 25 minutes. I don't want to take up too much of your guys' time here on July 3rd. Please, I hope you're not working. If you are working, God bless you as an American. Like, if you're on a rig right now and you're listening to this, thank you, first off. And and second, keep working. You know, shout out to you. Hopefully you have the day off and you get at least enjoy some time with your friends and family. Stu, but I think with that, we're going to let them get back to their day off day or working. We'll see you guys on Monday for the digital ticker. Happy 4th.